Hello and welcome, fellow awesomeologist to awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're going to explore where ideas come from. We thought we would pick the largest topic we could possibly think of. Right. Just blow this thing up. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How about thought? Let's talk about thought. <laughs> We're going to talk about our personal ideation processes. That was the worst thing I've said today yet. Um, some things that might help our friends who think they don't have ideas. And we will dip our toes into the science behind it all. But we will only dip our toes because we are not neuroscientists or any kind of expert in cognitive thinking. Is that true, Ben? Well, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> it's early. It's By early. the end of this episode, yeah. you know, who knows? It's only Wednesday. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start here. I am always fascinated by the ideating process. You know, as much as I talk smack about the word ideating, I use it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by how other people do it. So tell me, can you describe for me what happens when you get into that ideating process? How do you do it? Where does yeah. the magic come from, Ben? <laughs> well, that's a great way to end the question because I do think that there is a certain amount of magic behind it that um, I don't know if we'll ever understand, right? Mm -hmm. uh, either individually understanding our own ideation process or, um, you know, speaking of neuros neurosurgeons or uh, neurologists or, you know, the people that might... Um, uh, have a grasp on how this happens in nature, or who we are as human beings, or what we are as human beings. Um, I don't know if we'll ever like fully understand it, right? Because I think it is just there's a certain magic behind it. Um, and to that point, like it's really, really tough to describe my own process or um, to know precisely like when the environment is most right for it mm -hmm. or anything, uh, because um, it happens. At different times, different places. Sometimes it's inspired by totally different things. Um, the logical person in me, or that part of my brain, wants to say that ideas come, you know, inspired by something like research or, um, you know, a, a true like neat and tidy process where mm -hmm. I do this first, then ideas come, then I explore those ideas, then I kill five of them and I explore these two that are perfect, you know, and we know that from time to time, sure, like there's there's maybe a process or planning mm -hmm. or things like that where it can happen nice and neat and tidy and linear like that. But also there are times, uh, times on the toilet, times in the shower, <laughs> times when you, uh, you know, are driving or, you know, whatever, and you just see the thing or um, something strikes you where all of a sudden ideas start flowing. And that's mm -hmm. definitely the, and I think that um, both of those things that I described, whether it's that nice tidy process or the spontaneous inspiration, both of them have a certain amount of magic. And mm -hmm. maybe the, maybe the spontaneous one is the one that feels a little bit more magical because you were just doing whatever you were doing. And then all of a sudden something struck you But um, but I think even in that um, process where maybe you go into a certain amount of time thinking like, I'm, I'm in idea mode now. Um, there is something that happens there that um, while it might be a little easier to connect that process or part of that process to the idea that came up. Um, there's still something in there that I think 
we might not totally ever like really understand, especially when you consider like what is all happening in our brains to inform the ideas that we're spewing out on the whiteboard or whatever, um, including like our own personal life experiences, mm-hmm. our previous professional experiences, maybe like what's happening in the world right now, um, you know, and how all of those little like micro moments of information are um, inspiring or informing our ideas. I think it's just, it's fascinating. It's inspiring in it in itself. Um, but I can say, you, I, I think that the question that you asked was describing what happens when I'm in that process. And I do think that um, for me, I'm, I'm one that, um, however it happens, neat and tidy process or spontaneous, um, I'm one that sees a lot of potential in a lot of things. Um, and we've we've experienced this too, where we go into a brainstorm. And for the audience, I'm doing air quotes, brainstorm <laughs> right now. And the first idea or the second idea, something really early in the process is something that we latch on to because I think that both of us are this kind of person where we see the potential in almost everything or in a lot mm-hmm. of things. So all it takes is that first idea and we start building it in our brains or we start thinking about like how we can pull that thing off. And then what we wind up finding is at the end of our air quotes, again, brainstorming session, we really only talked about one or two ideas because we just like immediately go right into how we can make that thing possible, how we can make that first idea happen. So, um, so to, to wrap up my response here, um, what happens in my process or when I'm ideating or when I'm, you know, trying to be creative, um, is I'm usually taking the first or one of the early things that strikes me um, and I'm immediately diving into being creative around it or um, you know, ideating around like a first, a first idea. Um, I think that a lot of times, whether it's me designing something or um, you know, doing any kind of innovative process, um, there might be versions of a thing that wind up happening or, you know, different possibilities, but they're all centered around a really early idea. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, I don't think that I'm very good at like objectively looking back and seeing or making sure that I deliver six ideas before I go down any of those roads. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, I think a thing that we maybe have in common uh, besides the fact that we we're so keen to jump on that first idea, uh, is that we, when we know we are going into a brainstorming session, and I don't know why I am self-discovering this right now, live on the air, but uh, we we come into those having already simmered on something. So right. I wonder what is hap- if what is happening is our brain is shedding all of those ideas that are not make boiling to the top. And those first two or three ideas are the top. Like we've had a whole bunch of them. And some of them, you know, sometimes we'll bring a not fully formed, an extremely not fully formed idea to each other and say, I have no idea what this looks like, but you know, I don't know. Hear me out. Yeah, hear me out. (laughs) Yeah. but normally, and this is, you know, and it's funny because this is the thing you pointed out in a meeting this morning. Normally, 
what we both do when someone says, well, you know, can we do this thing is you and I immediately, before we even respond, go into problem solving and trying to figure that thing out. Um, and sometimes people, apparently a thing we've learned today is sometimes people <laughs> take that silence as a no, right? <laughs> which it isn't always, but we just are, uh, yeah, we, it's, a trait we have in like alike that we very quickly go into like problem solving. How can I do this? Let me get that fully fleshed out. And then I will tell you what I can see, right. you know? Yeah. yeah. The one, I mean, the so, one thing, the one thing I know for sure about the problem solving process uh, or the ideating process is that the way, if you want to make it the most difficult, tell yourself, I need to have an idea right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So blessing and a curse, right? Like the ability to like see the potential in every idea and mm. start to like, you know, workshop and develop that in your brain um, before even changing the idea or shifting to another idea. Like that's cool. Like, you know, nice to have that um, positive outlook on things, but uh, the curse maybe is, um, or the potential negative in that is maybe narrow-mindedness, just going mm -hmm. with the first thing that comes to your mind, um, masking something that just simply won't work in potential. <laughs> right. Know? So, yeah. yeah. So how about, how about you? I mean, what's, what happens for you when you're in that process? Yeah. So I, I'm a big question asker. I, I am all about, I need to understand to such an extreme extent, I need every to see every facet of the thing before I can, before I really start to simmer on it. So it's basically, I will ask a thousand questions maybe that nobody sees the point behind, nobody gets, maybe, uh, maybe to the point of annoyance and what works what works best for me is to ask all of those questions to get, you know, what is the problem we're solving? What are we trying to figure out and do uh, and just get all of that background and sort of put it in, put it in my little mental pot and then let it simmer. And uh, like down to, and we've talked about this before, down to the point of let me walk away. Let me take everything and I've, you know, I've certainly done this with people we've worked with and said, okay, I've got that. Now yeah. I need to go. <laughs> and it's that simmering process, I think, that does start to, it starts to shed, you know, some of the weaker ideas. They're maybe not bad ideas, right? but they're weak ideas or starts to make connections. And then, and then I have to conscious consciously concentrate I don't know if there's another way to concentrate but <laughs> I I have to set aside time uh or okay to say I have to set aside time probably is misconstruing how how some of these things happen because either I set aside time because I know I have to take what I know and turn it into something or I drive to work mow the lawn like you said take a shower 
water the plants, you know, any of those things. Uh, I have to get my brain in a space of not dealing with anything else and go on autopilot, you know, yeah. and just deal with that idea to get there. And, you know, I, I think that it's that sort of thing that makes it appear magical to people outside of our team that when we when we have maybe come into a conversation that we knew we were going to have and our brains have been working, 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 working. And now all it takes is the answer to a question and we can go, oh, well, you know, here's the idea. And people think that's magic, but it's, it's, it's nice that you want to want people to still believe it's magic. It's not, I don't think it's magic. I think it's synapses. you know, right. and just that yeah. rich eternal internal life that we have. Yeah. yeah, something something that you said that's interesting is um, how like some ideas that you might move on from aren't necessarily bad ideas. And I think another thing that maybe can be uh, another part of the process that can be maybe. Uh, seen as magical or whatever, but is really just something that I think is very natural for people is once you find the flow with the thing. So like that first idea or whatever idea it is where you start going down the road, maybe those questions um, start to get answered or a question prompts another version of the idea and you just keep going with it. Like sometimes you just have to keep going because you've started to enter maybe a flow Mm. state or something where you're really, um, you know, grooving on a thing. Right. And just going. And again, maybe a little bit of a blessing and a curse because you start to feel that energy, your brain's probably receiving dopamine and, you know, all this stuff to say, keep going, keep going on this thing. This is the right one. And it, it could very well be, I mean, there's a reason that you're there. Right. But it also might be something where all of a sudden you put blinders on to, um, the right thing, or maybe even information that tells you this isn't the best idea right now. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just just interesting that that dynamic, but uh, between what you pursue and maybe what you choose to put aside, or whether that's consciously or unconsciously, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the thing that we have in our favor is the line of work we're in. Where if we were engineers. And our first idea was not the best idea. Like that, that's pretty permanent, what's happening yeah. there. But <laughs> right. as marketers, uh, you know, we, there's, we have some boundaries we have to stay in, but otherwise we, we get to ideate and try a thing and ideate and try a thing. And we get to constantly be in this process of, uh, even if people outside of what we're doing, don't recognize, you know, that this ad to this ad to this ad to this ad, they might be completely different products, but they are iterations of the same idea. You know, we're, we're working something out and we get, we have this uh, availability of work, I guess is what, what it is that we can constantly be trying things and we can, we can, surface an idea that is not perfect try it and learn from it 
to hone it in a way that, you know, maybe it probably in other industries, for example, if you're working with money, <laughs> maybe you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or if you're an engineer, that might not work right. out well. Right. Or, sure. or brain surgeon, I suppose. Yeah. Right. There, a lot of people should not do this. So if you are any of those things, consider Stop you, should, listening. <laughs> yeah, you should not use our method of trying something that's not great. <laughs> so Sue, we have plenty of people that tell us we're the ones with all of the ideas. Yeah, no pressure there. Yeah. Do you think that's true? No. No. I know the answer to that question. Yeah, I mean, we, me put it, we put it on here. Yeah, uh, no, it, it's, it is, uh, we have a unique, we have a very particular set of skills. No, we, <laughs> we have a unique set of expertise that helps us have the ideas for the things we have to do. But that doesn't mean, I, that means we can tell you uh, if a thing will work in the newspaper versus social media, or if we should make it a video instead of uh, online ad, you know, we we can pro we can tell you our best. It's really I don't want to use the word guess, but it's a guess. We can tell you our best insight. Let me put it that mm -hmm. way, on how that thing could work. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're the only idea people at all. Right. And I think what where we're new, uniquely situated is that is our job to come up with ideas and then it builds this perception that we're the only people that can. Uh, but I, I firmly believe anyone can and they may be, you know, maybe a thing that we could do, we would benefit other people uh, by doing would be helping them understand that if we're in a conversation, say with a client um, or someone on our team and they bring up an idea that is, you know, this really great seed of something. And we have to take that really great seed and turn it into something, making sure that they understand you didn't have a bad idea our job is to make that, you know, you gave us that seed and now we have to put it in the ground and we have to water that little yeah. seed. We have to make <laughs> it grow. So I have to take what you gave me because it's my job because I'm in marketing. It's not, right. you know, it is, if you are a loan officer, it's not your job to do what I'm doing. So yeah. give me your seed. Let me plant it. Let me water it. It's your idea, right? Yeah. I just am taking that and letting it uh, grow in the way that my job allows me to. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. I think that that's definitely one of the biggest contributors to that uh, misconception that whether it's a marketing team or a creative person or a designer or whatever, like they're the only people with the ideas, right. Uh, is that um, disconnect that can happen from idea or seed to like what you wind up seeing at the end, mm. you know, because I, I don't even, I would love to know how many times it's ever happened in the history of ideas where somebody has an idea, somebody else actually does the thing with the idea and what winds up coming out in reality is precisely what that initial idea was in that person's head. Like, has it ever happened where it's right. like precise, right? So like, 
you know, when people have an idea, they're, they're doing the thing that we're doing, maybe not on the same level where they're starting to like build a thing in their brain. They're starting mm-hmm. to, you know, envision like what this idea might look like. And then when we take it and do our thing with it, it winds up being something different. There can be a, I think a real misconception of, oh, well, they didn't like my idea or that's different than the idea that I gave when really, like you just said, um, no, like what we did was we took your idea and, you know, we, mixed in our experience and our expertise and all that stuff and now there's this thing that exists in the world but without your idea what we created probably doesn't happen right so um that you know just i think back to the point of like everybody has ideas um it's just them coming into reality might look a little different than an idea that we come up with or something right well and i wonder I wonder if people realize that not only does that not happen, that, you know, that perfect recreation of the single idea into final product, it, not only does it not happen between two people, it doesn't happen for us. We yeah. don't start, <laughs> we, you know, we don't fully uh, realize an idea exactly in the way we imagine it. It, you know, everything has a building and growing process that. Uh, it's just natural to it. Right. And yeah. So, so what? <laughs> sorry. So don't feel bad is what I'm right. saying. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So how do we help people that maybe have that misconception or feel like they they never have the ideas or don't have good ideas? What tips can we give people who think they don't have good ideas? I have a list of four tips. Do you oh want to know goodness. my list? I know. I, we I should am... probably turn that into a blog. I am, yeah, we probably will. Any Anytime <laughs> I start putting numbers with periods behind them, it's going to end up being a blog. You should know that by now. <laughs> uh, my, in no particular order, though, um, because I just threw them down. So once they get, see, again, this is four, four tips. Uh, but if I made this into a blog, I would put them in different order and I would explain them uh, more carefully. So my four tips are, make time for creative ideas. I think what happens is uh, if you are not, if you are not programmed the way we, we in marketing or in public relations or jobs of our type are programmed to say, I know I need to make space for this to make this grow, then you, I think you end up frustrating yourself. You convince yourself, well, you know, I'm supposed to figure this thing out. Um, but then you go and do your regular job or you, you know, you live your life and do all of the things that keep you from ideating. So to make space for creative ideas, number two is to reduce distractions. Similar to making space for that creative idea. You have to, uh, you have to live in that sort of space with the idea until you are done with it you can't uh you know if if you're working from home you can't be uh washing dishes doing laundry uh and concentrating on those things when you need to be ideating what i mean by that is if you are ideating and you are doing those things because they are easy and automatic to help you ideate that you can do. So it's a fine line. Mm -hmm. 
Number three, see how these, these are in terrible order. Number three <laughs> is to find out what puts you in the mindset to ideate. So if that is um, meditation, or if you know you have to check in with yourself, sometimes I have to say, okay, do I have, do I need to go to the bathroom? Have I hydrated? Have I, you know, am I hungry? Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Just whatever you need to do to be comfortable so that you're not distracted. Yeah. Uh, and sort of out of your comfort zone. And then number four, ironically, the last one of the four is start at the beginning. Mm. Terrible order. Again. I, I like it though. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's ironic and it's fun. So it, that is all about understand what you're ideating about. You know, how many, I don't know how many times we have come into a conversation with someone who is saying, we think we want to do this ad. And when we have talked around that idea, um, we may become, we come to this completely different place because you have to start with what are you trying to do? Right. What is the, what is success in whatever this is? And this is not just this is not just in marketing. This is in anything. When you're looking for an idea to do something, you have to figure out, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish at the end of the day at the root of it? Yeah. What problem are you trying to solve? I mean, yes. all great questions. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're trying to solve, um, you are, you're likely going to frustrate yourself because you'll try something. Yeah. You know, we, we've had plenty of experiences where someone sees or where we see, I should just pick on everyone outside of our department as if we're perfect, but where we see something we want to do and we just haven't connected it with a reason. So we want to do it. It seems cool. It looks, you know, looks cool. Um, But if we don't have a reason for doing it, then we're going to have a really hard time having a good idea for that thing yeah so what about you do you have other tips i only came up with four so gosh but it was a great four yeah um you know just um i don't know this sounds cliche but it actually ties in with something awesome that i want to share just but you need a lot of bad ideas for a good one to happen you know so like mm-hmm. not being afraid of the process of the time of this space and you know again it sounds cliche but being uncomfortable right like but it's it, it's a reason it's cliche because it's real you know like um if you're never going to put yourself in a space to be creative or to you know be in a ideation mindset um yeah it's not going to happen there is the spontaneous opportunity that happens with all of us for sure. But there's a reason that, that that's spontaneous too, you know, and we just need to like, you know, allow that to happen and, and welcome that when it does, but we can't rely on only that, especially if you're, you know, a creative or, you know, somebody that does what we do, um, but really anyone, you know, again, I don't mean to make this all about um, people like us or, you know, people uh, in our line of work or anything, because, back to what we you know just got done talking about like everybody has ideas um just if you're trying to do something with them especially something with purpose you're trying to solve a problem um you have to make the space for the opportunity of an idea you know and not be afraid to fail yes do you think that is why 
like our, our uh, all consuming embracing of terrible ideas uh, <laughs> is, is why other people have the perception that they don't have good ideas because, you know, maybe, you know, when you start that process and you're like, eh, that sucked, that sucked. Okay. What about that one? That's not a lot better. And you just kind of go through a whole bunch of bad ideas or, you know, my, my greatest fear is always uh, not bad ideas, but sort of hacky ideas. Like everybody's done it. You know that that's my kryptonite. Everybody does this thing. I don't want to, I never like being in that space. So I do, if I end up having a lot of ideas that I feel like everybody and their brother has done, I do get really frustrated. Um, but also, as we keep saying, it's our job to work through that. So we work through it. So do you think people who have not programmed themselves that way to work through it, get the first five to 10 not good ideas and go, that's it, I can't do this yeah. and give up and assume those of us who just know what hacks we are. <laughs> are I, I like, yeah, I, I like the way that you asked the question about like being programmed a, a certain way because it, it feels kind of, um, it feels in line with um, my answer, which is that all of those ideas, whether you feel like you're, you know, a hack or they're just original ideas that you wind up devalidating for some reason, um, that's just practice. And mm -hmm. you have to do that practice. And again, a lot of them probably need to be bad or they just will naturally be bad before you'll get to the good one. But you will not get to the good one if you cut yourself off by saying, I'm not good at this or I'm just, you know, hacking other people's ideas or, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, like, that's just how change and growth and innovation and ideas happen. You're inspired by something, you see something that somebody else has done, and then you just put your spin or your tweak on it, you know? And then yes, for sure, from time to time, something original and beautiful uh, happens, but same thing, like those things don't happen unless you hack it once in a while or, you know, get inspired by something that you've already seen. Right, right. Well, you know, and ultimately, we we are all sort of working out of the same toolbox, right? So we, aside from life experience, where we all have different life experiences, but also as human beings, we're having human experiences. So you get up, you brush your teeth, you put on clean socks, you know, whatever those human experiences are. Uh, and then we have cultural references, we have, yeah, I don't know, we, we it, like every, everybody sort of, as I'm saying, I, let me finish the thought I started 45 minutes ago, <laughs> say, we're all really working from the same toolbox. And it, it is a matter of how willing are you? Oh, I'm about to love this analogy. How willing are you to hit yourself in the thumb with the hammer out of that toolbox and keep going? Yeah. instead of uh just shutting it and walking sure. away yeah. that was that was clean oh man yeah, I, I can paint the picture in my head right now <laughs> nicely done i'm telling you i'm on a roll 
So uh, when we first had the idea for this episode, you suggested that we not just talk about what we think about having ideas, as meta as that is, and as much as we could, uh, we could talk for hours and just navel gaze, which is great, I think, about <laughs> us, uh, but that we look for uh, some science to answer the big question of where do ideas come from? And I have science. Would you like some science? I brought you some. I, I would like an adequate amount of science. I'm going to give you exactly an adequate amount because we are talking cognitive and neuroscience and uh, knowing that, <laughs> I do not want to get too deep into it. But I found a couple of different articles that are really interesting. One of them uh, is a way above my mental pay grade, but the one that I found, I'll share them both. So uh, people smarter than me, when they read this, when they read the blog can read that article and um, maybe call and explain it to me. But the, the very first one, which was really illuminating to me, what is by a Dr. Pronita Merotra, and I apologize if uh, Dr. Merotra hears this, and I have butchered their name, but uh, it says, this article says, according to Thomas Suddendorf, why did I pick an article with more yeah. last names I can't pronounce, professor and author, uh, what set uh, what set Homo sapiens apart as we diverged from Neanderthals and other homonyms wasn't our language or our tools. As we know, this is me, this is not a direct quote, but I will say, as we know, there are other animals that use tools. Uh, rudimentary forms of that exist in other animals, but what sets us apart is our ability to do open ended imagination and make connection between different concepts. And uh, the article describes the way that by being able to make connections between different concepts, we can basically time travel. We can look to the past, we can look to the future, we can assess the present, and then we can take those all into account. And that helped us early on uh, foresee and plan for survival, right? Um, and in, in addition, being able to make those connections between different, you know, different concepts to different pieces of thought, it helped us um, create a stream of consciousness that doesn't exist in other animals. Uh, and a, it goes on, to, the article goes on to say, as Professor Leon Gabora explains, with this self-triggered recall and rehearsal loop, we could now activate and reactivate visions and dreams such that with each successive conception of them, they were looked at from a different angle, embedded a little more firmly in the constraints of reality as we know it, and potentially turned into a form in which they could be realized. I take this to mean that it gives us an ability to think about thinking, to take a thing and turn it around and look at it in our brain and work through different scenarios in a way that other animals can't. Okay. And it helps us create ideas from all of the loose concepts that are swimming around in our brain. And the article goes on to say that this cognitive ability is the direct result of how our brain stores information associatively. Right. Science. 
science <laughs> or as some of us like to say magic <laughs> yes <laughs> everything you just described is probably you know at least uh tickling that idea of the magic that we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, right? Or like just some of this, uh, unless you're a neuro neuroscientist, like you just might not understand. And even them, I think they um, might have to admit that they don't understand all of it. And there's just a certain amount of it that maybe could be explained with science sometime down the road, but mm. for now it's just a little bit of magic and that's okay. Right, right. I, I mean, it sounds, to me, it sounds like at a certain point in our evolution, uh, just the switch flipped and just right. the way our brains cognated. Is cognated a word, do you think? Because <laughs> it's, it's not, it is now. It's like fun. It. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, the way our brains cognate change, like developed this deeper understanding of things outside of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so moving on to the more scholarly text, uh, the things I highlighted very few sentences because I can't understand most of it, but uh, it does point out, uh, it talks a little bit about what makes our minds ready to cognate. And for one thing, it says, uh, it's the freedom to venture without the confines of traditional thinking or the burden of practical concerns. So it's imagination, mm -hmm. right? And then, right. and I think I would say in what, you know, when we're talking about the problem solving we do, I maybe start with, you know, what is the imaginary version of this, right? What is the perfect world version of the thing? And now how can I take that perfect world version and put it into reality? And how do I make all of those things happen? Right. Yeah. Yeah. To like imagine without limits and then create within, within those limits or within your resources and stuff right. is bringing those ideas into reality. And yeah. And our, our ability as humans to do that is what makes us super special, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, a thing, maybe this, this is for another time, uh, but it's just occurring to me, a thing I have heard and we should do more research on is the differences in the way people think, not just think, it's how do I describe this? Um, some people, when they are imagining things in their mind, don't imagine them with pictures, which I, I don't know how you imagine things, but I can't, ironically, I can't picture imagining a thing just with words or numbers and yeah. not visualizing it in my brain so what every everything's a movie in my brain so. right <laughs> yeah yeah it's all real <laughs> so there there are differences we diverge as human beings on how our brains work through things and there are strengths and weaknesses based on just how you were made to cognate yeah. which is interesting. It is. And that is a topic for another yeah. day. We're not going there. <laughs> We're, We're not, not going, going there. there. We've already, we've went too far into neuroscience yeah. and we need to back out slowly. <laughs> right. Make sure nobody knew we were here. Let's yes. just step back really slowly. 
Well, um, yeah. leave nothing but footprints. You... What is it? Yeah. Leave nothing but footprints. Take nothing yeah. but memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, um, thanks for taking the challenge to dig into the science. You did a great job. We'll share those links out and everything yeah. for sure. Um, and thanks for picking all the complicated names. I'm going to start our something awesome segment, which we'll transition into now uh, with another really complicated name um, yes. for my something awesome. Good. Uh, that name is Adam Grant. I'm just kidding. It's not complicated <laughs> at all. His name is Adam Grant. Uh, so unfair. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Um, so Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist, a New York Times writer uh, at the University of Pennsylvania. And what I'm going to be sharing is a TED Talk that he did. Um, the title of it is The Surprising Habits of Original Thinkers. And so, again, kind of getting back to that idea or, um, you know, a quote um, from what he uh shares is you need a lot of bad ideas in order to get a few good ones. So I think that that's right on par with um, what we've been talking about today, but um, just uh, some good, uh, a good share, some good content about um, why a lot of ideas fail and why a lot of ideas need to fail in order for the good ones uh, to emerge. And um, yeah, definitely something to, to check out and give some good insight on how um, creative people come up with good ideas and um, also aligns with something we've been saying through this throughout this episode about um, how everybody is a certain amount of a creative person which means everybody comes up with ideas nice I can't wait to watch that yeah well keeping with the idea topic I am, I'm going to shift our gears just a little bit and uh, I am going to talk my something awesome is uh, around the theme of maybe dangerous ideas. Ooh, subversive mm. ideas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I am, the link I am going to share is to littlefreelibrary.org. And that is not the whole story here. If you're not familiar with the Little Free Libraries, they are all over the country, all over the world. And at littlefreelibrary.org, you can find them near you. There are quite a number. If you're, if you're a Marshfield, Wisconsin person, I checked out the map, and there are quite a number of them in Marshfield. And yeah. uh, you can go and see them uh, and see the map on littlefreelibrary.org. And you can also find out how you can set up your own little free library and register it and um, get resources to books and community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the shocking reveal is I am, this is all on my mind and it is linked to subversive ideas because we are building a little free library. Nice. And in fact, it is, this was the springtime, wintertime project that my brother, my dad and I worked on in my dad's basement. And we, we have decided that with what is happening with people banning books, especially because some of those books are authors we really, my brother and I really, really love, uh, we are going to try to have our little free library specialize in banned books. Nice. So that is, you can purchase from littlefreelibrary.org, you can purchase a little plaque with a little registration number, which I'm going to do so I can register my little free library of banned books. 
And uh, it is, I mean, you would be surprised once you start looking at some books that have been banned, things like Judy Bloom, which you probably don't know a lot about Judy Bloom because you're a guy, but Judy Bloom was so important to girls like coming of age. One of her big ones was about um, girls hitting puberty. It's called, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And, you know, so there's a lot of like female coming of age stuff that Judy Bloom was really important to help out girls and some of her books have been banned. Yeah, un- unbelievable things. Ironically, yeah. did you have to read Fahrenheit 451 in high school? I don't I don't think we had to, but I did. Okay. Okay, that's banned. Yeah. Ironically, right. yeah. because it's right. about book burning. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, and actually the author of Fahrenheit 451, Kurt Vonnegut, is one of my favorite authors, one of my brother's favorite authors. And I mean, is truly a subversive thinker, but yeah. Uh, a lot, a lot that you could learn from him. So anyway, that was my, that was my exciting news and reveal. Go nice. to littlefreelibrary.org and you can see, find a little free library in your area. And um, this is my commercial that if people are banning books around you, you should get them and read them and find out why. Yeah. Jazz yeah. hands. Awesome. Yeah, and soon enough you'll get to see the little free library that's you registered. Good for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, if um, I if it was done, I would share a picture. But right now it just looks yeah. like I don't know. <laughs> we'll up we'll update the post later when you have a yeah. picture of it. Yeah, when it's looking cute. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't have. Uh, I'm I'm not 100 confident in this, but I believe that little free library, or at least a version of it, the version that we probably see around us, was created in Wisconsin. Oh, really? Um, like the first one oh. was created in Wisconsin. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, maybe I could even do a little digging on that. And if I prove that to be true, um, nice. that's something that we could share too. But yeah. yeah. Fun. Hey, fun fact, man. Wisconsin, land of the progressive thinkers. How about it that? is true. It is true. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. So you can check that stuff out on our blog or on your favorite uh podcast app if you want to go to our blog you can find all of our podcasts and some other interesting things including an article we just posted on our blog about cyber warfare which is really interesting and really timely i do say so myself (laughs) uh and that is exclamation qso.com slash blog and you can catch us this there which if you're listening to it you are you maybe already have um and find everything else otherwise yeah find us on your favorite podcast app go back listen to all of our episodes we have a lot of great information and a minimum of navel gazing just the yeah the the right amount right (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks sue thank you friends for tuning in this is ben and sue your proclaimed professors of awesomeology reminding you that life's awesome if you make it awesome we'll see you next time